0: For everything for everything, Indy for everything, Colts. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey.
1: And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey here with you. It is Chiefs week, the home opener at Oil Stadium, and the Colts try to find their first win of the season as they are 0 1 1. A very tough opponent. Try to get their first win of the season against as the Chiefs come in rolling. We'll go behind enemy lines here with Bob Fesco of Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. He will join us to give his Kansas City perspective, give his thoughts so far on what has been a red-hot start to the season for the Chiefs. We will both give our predictions. Will we predict the Colts' win? Last week, we both are right, Georgia. one in one in the season. We both picked them to beat the Texans. We were wrong. Last week, we both picked the Jags to win, so we were one in one We'll see uh, which picks we do make here for week number three. But before we talk about the negative, because I think we both do agree this could get, uh, this could be very ugly for the Colts here going against a very good Chiefs team. Let's start with some positive here, George. Your daughter's birthday was the other day. You went to fondue. How was the fondue?
2: Excellent. Excellent. Everything about it was great. You know, as long as she's happy and she's smiling, you know, that's what matters. And when she's 10, the best thing is she hates football. She has no idea what's going (laughs) on. So there was like a few hours there of of no Colts talk. It was, uh, it was, very
1: freeing, so it's good that at least the Colts have not ruined her birthday. Great for you that, like I nah. said, you can you can put the depressing Colts talk away for a few minutes. Now, I'll be honest, I'm very uncultured. How does like fondue work? Is it just like you have like meats and crackers in front of you and just basically yeah. just dip and dunk?
2: It works really well for her because she always wants these tiny little bites anyway. So it was perfect. <laughs> she just gets these little skewers. The only thing is like, you know, you got to put it in the pot and then it's got to wait like four minutes. She wants wait, to take what? it out after like four seconds. So, you know,
1: four, min- four oh, minutes. I just, it on what like, It is in and out. Oh, wow. I don't know. It was that long. That, see can that, frustrating.
2: that was her issue. I mean, that that w- when we hit some snags, that's where it was because she's ready to go like right away. You don't really want her eating like raw chicken. That's probably not going to end well for us.
1: No, that's no. also very true. Yeah, well, you know. Your 10-year-old daughter and me, guys both have very <laughs> impatient uh skills when it comes to uh getting ready to eat. That is for sure. So at least, all right, so you're filled up on fondue. We're feeling good, George, as we head into uh the weekend here as the Colts get set to take on the Chiefs. <sighs> Boy, it could be bad. And let's start with at least some history here because although these two teams have not played since 2019, and that was at least the last time the Colts did play, that was a lot of... um Thought that the Chiefs would roll, and that one of the Chiefs uh, and the Colts ended up winning that game, which Cody set at quarterback in Arrowhead Stadium. Coming to this week, there's a lot of those same kind of depressing negative thoughts. One of the reasons is Patrick Mahomes's insane success against Brass, uh, Gus Bradley led defenses. In every game he's played against him, it was against the Chargers or Raiders. He has combined for 17 touchdown passes to two picks. Oh boy, how much work does the Colts' defense have cut out from this week, George?
2: I mean, you've seen it all year. You know, they've been missing explosive plays. You know, I think they have one sack in regulation. Quiddipay had yep. the two in overtime, but one sack in regulation and one interception all year. And I think one fumble recovery. So, uh, or no interceptions and one fumble recovery. They have one takeaway all year. So you can't, you're not going to beat the Chiefs that way. I mean, if they're going to find a way to to even slow down Patrick Mahomes, you've got to get pressure on him at a at a percentage that's much higher than they've done so far. You've got to have much tighter coverage than they've had so far this year. You got to get your hands on a lot more passes and you're going to have to probably have two or three interceptions to even start having a, you know a chance in in this game. Um nothing they've done so far on defense will work on Sunday. I think Julian Blackman said it in the locker room the other day. You know, if they play the way they have, they could give up 50 points. It's something that they're aware of. You know, they, they've got to tighten up a lot. I know there's transition. you got a new defense coordinator. You're kind of figuring some things out. That ends now. Whatever honeymoon period there was is, is over Sunday.
1: You're 100% right. And that's why I think going to this game specifically, you need Gus Bradley, uh, George, you need this defense to be ultra-aggressive, More aggressive than we've seen in the Gus Bradley short-term era and even in the Matt Eberflus era because both of those guys are very similar when it comes to not wanting to blitz, rushing four guys, and kind of playing, you know, keeping everything in front of you. You can't do that against this Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs offense because I just showed you the numbers. Like, you know, Patrick Mahomes has thrived and feasted Off of this Gus Bradley defense, who has done a lot of the same things where you rush four, drop seven, and keep everything in front of you, you give Patrick Holmes time, he's going to carve you apart and go right down the field, no problem. The Colts have to be aggressive, send five, six, I mean, seven guys. I know they have not done that, and that's not a a Gus Bradley staple. Where if you look at Gus Bradley's blitz percentage rate in the last three years, he is dead last. His defenses are 32nd in the NFL each of the last three seasons, when it comes to blitz rate, you have to change that. in order to beat Patrick Holmes or, or, or to slow him down. First of all, you have to go basically counter to everything you believe in and everything you've done to this point because it's not worked. And what's the definition of insanity, George? Do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. You have to change and it starts with being aggressive and doing something you've never done before.
2: And that's how they won the last time. I mean, you go back to 2019, it was a long time ago, obviously. Three years ago, Shaq Leonard didn't play in that game either, which was a, a big concern coming in. Uh, and they they were really the only time, really, I've seen them under Matt Eberflus get up and be physical with wide receivers. They were pressing that whole game. They were very aggressive on their pass rushes. Uh, it helped that, that Mahomes had an ankle injury. It helped that he had some offensive weapons that were out that day, but they really changed the way they play defense. It wasn't, you know, sit back and, and keep everything in front of you. And I think really uh, they're going to have to do the same thing this week. You you can't defend Kansas city the way you do the other 30 teams. It, it's not going to work. They're not the other 30 teams. You're dealing with uh, a guy back there. Who's a lot of times a magician. I mean, I've, I've seen him even in that game. I saw him, throw a ball. He did everything wrong. Everything that a coach tells you not to do. He threw the ball across his body, across the field. He might've been off one foot and it's a perfect strike. Hits the guy in the numbers in the end zone. I mean, I don't know how you defend that. Uh, You, you've got to be on, you've got to plaster his receivers because he's going to put the ball where it is. You've got to either get him on the ground or you have to make a ball play on the ball yourself because he's going to hit his guys and it doesn't matter he'll do it from all angles he'll do it from all spots on the field um you know look i, I i'm not the president of the patrick mahomes fan club but he's a lot of fun to watch and a big part that of that is. is because you know you never know what's coming from him from snap to snap uh and and you you have to be aggressive to to fight that you 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 have to make a play he's not going to beat himself
1: you're 100 right, and you know he's a great quarterback, clearly. And any great quarterback, whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, whether it's Josh Allen, you give them time to throw, they're going to carve you up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Each and every kid does not matter. And so now, if you continue to play the same defense you've played, and like you said, if you continue to defend the way they've defended so far against Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence, where the Colts defense so far through two games has allowed a completion percentage of 72%, which is second to last in the NFL. Mahomes is going to kill you. He's going to beat you deep. He's going to beat you underneath. They have a ton of athletes. Even though they lost Tyree Kill, they still have Travis Kelsey, who is you know one of the most unguardable players in all of the NFL. You still have, like, contributors up and down the lineup where the Chiefs have had 11 different guys catch a pass already. It's only two games. 11 different guys have caught a pass already so far. So Mahomes not afraid to spread it out. He's not going to lock on to one target. And again, if you give him all day to sit back there and read a defense and pick him out, he's going to eventually find someone. Because as we know, you can't cover any receiver, no matter how great the corner is, for four, five, six seconds at a time. It's just not going to happen, which is why if you're Gus Bradley – you got to basically say damn the torpedoes forget everything I've done before you have to basically reinstall a brand new defense this week specifically.
2: Yeah, you you've got to you have to make plays. I mean they they just haven't done that. And you absolutely have to make plays and then the other part of this, I think the offensive line for Indianapolis is a big part of this. Yes. Because you know one of the best ways to defend Patrick Mahomes is to keep him on the sideline, not give him the ball at all. Uh but you can't do that if you can't run the ball and you can't sustained drive. So all these penalties we've seen on offense, they can't have any of that on Sunday. You can't have five carries for four yards for Jonathan Taylor in the first half, or it'll be over at halftime. You know, this is one of those days where you need probably, you know, 170, 180 from Jonathan Taylor and you need to control the football. You need to keep Kansas city off the field. Uh, and you need to finish drives. Cause it's not, it's not going to be good enough either. If you're just getting down to the red zone and taking six minutes off the clock, you know you're going to have to score touchdowns and not field goals, long drives, keep them on the the sideline, and make plays as a defense. You can't sit back and and wait for them to make a mistake. You've got to to force that mistake.
1: Which unfortunate for the Colts right now. We're talking about all things that they have not done at, at any sort of success rate so far through two games in the season. I want to talk about more of the offense, but I want to circle back to the defense one last time because I want to ask you this question. It's easy for both of us, right, to say, oh, they got to blitz more. They got to basically. You know, Gus Bradley has to install a defense this week that is something that he's really not used to calling, not used to game planning. How easy is that to do, George? Like, you're at practice every day. You kind of see what these guys do. Is it easier said than done to basically install a defense that is different than basically everything you've preached so far?
2: Yeah. You know, it's very difficult because you you've been working on these things since training camp and, you know, your your defensive rules are the way they are for a reason. But he did. He blitzed 15 times at Houston. It wasn't getting home, which almost scares you even more for a matchup right. like this. Uh, but so, I mean, he has shown that he will change things up uh, already just in a in a two week situation. This is going to have to be an even more drastic change. Uh, and I really think a lot of it's gonna have to be coverage. A, a lot of what we've seen in these first uh few weeks are three step drops and really getting the ball out quick. And the Colts have been playing off coverage and allowing that to happen and hoping to keep everything in front of them and then not not making stops on third down, and, and that's why you've seen things go the way they've gone. You can't play off coverage on Sunday because it's not gonna work. I mean, if, if you if you ask Patrick Mahomes to, to play that, you know, quick quick drop game and and get it out fast and throw underneath he'll take that all day and then at some point he'll run around for 15 seconds and throw a 60 yard bomb and and put six points on the board so you can't you know they've got it starts yeah they've got to be more aggressive on the pass rush but it really starts with coverage I think that's the biggest thing about this game you always want to pressure the quarterback you always want to get him on the ground as much as you can But against this Kansas City team, you got to get physical with the receivers and you got to get your hands on passes. You have to make those passing lanes as tight as possible and you have to make plays in the secondary. If there's any chance, if he gives you a shot, you have to take advantage because he's not a guy that's going to throw four or five passes that can be intercepted. He might only throw one or two and you better make that play in that moment.
1: You're right. too, we talked about the strength of this team in one of the areas where they were really, you know, soundly built. And that is the back seven, right? Linebackers and secondary. Obviously, Shaquille Leonard not being in the first two weeks has kind of hurt that unit a little bit. But it's like, you're right. Like, this is where the strength of the Colts team really is, at least so far through the first two weeks, is their secondary talent wise. They have a lot of talent, both, in, you know, at safety and corner. You're right. We've even seen a guy like Isaiah Rogers who has talent and the Colts coaches have raved about him. We've not seen him on the field outside of just kick return. You think this is going to be a game just because of how many receivers the Chiefs throw out on the field, he's going to get some action. But you're right. Now it's not just good enough to allow eight yards and tackle because the Chiefs, I think maybe this time last year, that could have worked because I think we saw a large part of the Chiefs when they're kind of going through their funk was they weren't, you know, Patrick Holmes did not like kind of taking the underneath right every time he kind of got antsy and started trying to force things on the field. I think this year, though, that's one area so far through the two games you see, he is more patient. If you're going to give him eight yards at a time, He'll take eight yards at a time and go 10 plays or 12 plays down the field score a touchdown instead of kind of getting an antsy like he did last year and want to push the ball down the field to score a touchdown in three or four plays. So if he's going to take that or the Chiefs now are more patient offense, like you said, what the Colts have been doing defensively and giving up these chunks at a time or these, these seven, eight-yard pass at a time, they're going to just kill you. And one, you know, one missed tackle, forget it, he's gone because the, the skill unit on Kansas City is a whole hell of a lot better than in Jacksonville. And then in uh also in Houston as well. So now you're talking about a better quarterback that they've, you know, that they are facing now compared to the first two weeks, better overall skill players than they're facing compared to the last two weeks. It's going to be one of those situations where you're right. You have to be the aggressor. Because if not, you're going to lose. Like that's it's one thing I think in college football, George, when you know you kind of talk about the epitome of an upset. One of the things that, and how you beat a, a highly ranked team if you're not is by being the aggressor. You know, for Texas, when they had Alabama on the ropes a few weeks ago, one of the reasons why I thought they lost, they were not aggressive enough. They kind of played a little conservative and had and thought Alabama was going to beat themselves. You can't do that if you the Colts. You can't sit back there and assume, oh, Patrick Holmes is going to give us three, four, five opportunities to get got to pick. You, like you mentioned, have to be the aggressor. You have to kind of put your foot in the throat and say, we're here. We're going to take this game instead of having or hoping you give it to us.
2: You gotta be very physical. I mean, that's, I go back to that 2019 game and that, and it's a different Kansas city offense. There's no question. Uh, you know, it's a different team on both sides of the ball. Both Colts and Kansas city are are, are significantly different than they were three years ago. But I think the one thing you can carry over from that day was that physical nature, getting up there, knocking guys off their routes, disrupting the timing and just being aggressive on the ball, making plays on the football. If you don't do that, there's no chance. I mean, you never say that in this league, but if you don't do that, there's no chance against Kansas city.
1: And you mentioned it before. And speaking of physicality, this is going to have to come on the offensive line. You know, this game is going to have to be on the offensive line. Like you said, to assert their dominance. We've seen so far through two weeks, they've gotten bullied, frankly, against the Texans, against the Jaguars. You watch that Thursday night game last week between the chiefs and the chargers, They the Chargers have a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. One of the reasons why the Chiefs were able to win that game, they got a lot of pressure on that Chargers quarterback. They are making you know Justin Herbert uncomfortable, they're flushing him out, they're hitting him. Eventually, he got hit and got hurt. And we saw towards the end of the game, he was really hobbled and couldn't finish strong. The Colts' offensive line has to not only give Matt Ryan a chance to stay upright, you have to establish the run, you have to slow down that pass rush, and you got to get Chris Jones out of the way for Jonathan Taylor to, to establish some sort of ground game. Because you, like you said, you had not only have to keep Matt Ryan up, where you have to keep this Chiefs offense on the sideline. One of the best ways to do that is getting Jonathan Taylor going.
2: Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a critical factor in this game. Uh, he should be every week, but especially this week, because you don't want to get into a shootout. The Colts probably aren't going to end. Things aren't going to end well for them if this game's in the 40s. You know what I mean? Yes. You want to keep it somewhere in the 20s. Uh, if that's at all possible and and really i think the best way to do that is to have that solid running game put together 10 12 14 play drives of your own and again finish them it's not just enough to be out there and you know they they controlled the clock the first half against houston but they weren't scoring at the end of those drives and so it didn't make any difference you're still going to have to finish those drives uh, or or again you've got no chance this is not a game you win with four field goals I think everybody's nope. well aware of that. You know what I mean? Uh, you've got to, you've got to get the ball in the end zone, and they haven't done a really good job of that. Clearly, through two weeks, um, they've got to kind of, you know, Matt Ryan said it on Wednesday. You've got to flush this, this start. You you've just got to get rid of it, learn from it, you know, in in the ways that you need to. But at the same time, week three has to be this is your home opener. In a lot of ways, it has to be a new beginning for you because you can't. You can't keep making the same mistakes that you've made in the first two weeks or it's going to get really, really maybe historically ugly out there.
1: No, you're 100% right about that. I'm glad you brought up the home opener, George, because we talked about a lot of things with this Colts team winning within the margins and, you know, keys for them to having a good year. Red zone, like you just mentioned, you have to convert in the red zone, touchdowns, not field goals. That's going to be a huge key for this game and a huge key for the season, right? Now, that's one area the Colts have so far struggled mightily in. But I'm glad you brought up the home record because you go back to last year, the Colts were. An abysmal home team, and they were four and five on the on the season at home. You can't be doing that in the NFL and expect to have success and you know playoff success and win a division when you have a losing record at home. This is a really tough matchup. Clearly, having the Chiefs coming to town, but the Colts, if they want to get back to the playoffs, they have to be a, a way better home team than they were. You look twenty twenty when they made the playoffs; they were six and two. Twenty eighteen, they when they the last time they won a playoff game, they were six and two at home. You have to not only have a winning record, like you have to have a you know, a sizable, you know, winning record at home. If you expect, especially in a tough AFC here, to be a legitimate contender and win the AFC South, that starts this weekend.
2: Yeah, you got to defend your home turf. And I think one of the frustrating things last year was a lot of those games just came down to not finishing. You know, we were kind of talking about it earlier, you know, off the air. Uh, So many games last year were big leads early, and then you let the other team back into it, you make a mistake late, and you lose the football game. Uh, that seemed like every other week at home, and I guess it was. You end up four and five. It it pretty much was every other week at home. You This is not one of those games you can get away with that. I don't know that you can get away with it against anybody in the NFL, to be honest. I, I think a lot of times we like to to perceive the gap between teams to be wider than it is in this league. I don't know one to 32 that it's you know that wide that you can get away with some of the mistakes that the Colts are trying to make. Uh, and and you've seen it the first two weeks. I think that's one of the things this league is so punishing. It's so brutal. You know, if you go out there and you turn the ball over, you miss assignments, you don't line up in the right spot. Every team in the league is going to make you pay for that. I think last Sunday was a perfect example of that. Uh, you've got to be ready to go and you've got to be ready to go from, you know, the, the opening whistle at home, that's even more important. You got if you're gonna have any chance on Sunday, you got to get this crowd in the game. You got to get them loud. You got to give them a reason to get loud. They're right. not just gonna cheer, you know, because they're there. You've got to make some plays. You've got to make some stops. You've got to do some things to get that crowd involved. Make it difficult. Make Kansas City feel a little uncomfortable. Uh, I can't see any path to victory
1: that doesn't include that. You're 100% right, because the Colts fans right now don't have a reason to believe. So you're right. Although there's excitement, oh, it's the first home game of the year, and there's always that nice palpable buzz in the stadium, to your point, they're not just going to be cheering and going crazy thinking you're going to win the first quarter just because, oh, it's the first home game of the year, we're going to go nuts. You're right. You have to make this crowd believe, oh, this Colts team right now is different than the first two weeks we saw, and give them a reason to be loud in the third and fourth quarters. And even going back to last year, that's one of the frustrating parts because you're right. Last year, there was a common theme where this team got off to a really good start at home in almost every single game. And you look back, whether it was the Rams game, whether it was the Titans game, whether it was the the Buccaneers game, even the Raiders game. They could not close. And that should not be happening when you have the advantage of the crowd to give you that extra energy in the fourth quarter. Or if you're feeling tired, you can have that pick you up. Or if it's a big third down for the opponent, you can, you know, maybe have the crowd be loud and, and cause a false start and back them up a little bit or have them slow off the ball. Like you have so many inherent advantages with a good home crowd that the Colts have that they squandered last year, and you have to, to your point, Use that to your advantage and have that be one of the keys for this game because the Colts are going to need it. Like you said, there, there's not a lot of areas right now. We can look at the Colts and say they have the advantage over the Chiefs. There may not be one. To be honest, right now we can say, oh, the Colts are better than the Chiefs in this area. That The, the home field is going to be one of those keys, one of those places where the Colts really have to uh, use that to their advantage, kind of take a hold of and have it spark them going forward here.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the thing. You need, you need something to kind of get this team a spark. Uh, and the fans can do that if you give them reason to. I think they, they've shown that in the past. They can make this a very difficult stadium to play in if you give them reason to do that. You know, I go back to the, the Denver game in 2013. It's one of the loudest I've ever heard that stadium when Robert Mathis sacked Peyton Manning and, and things really got rolling. But does that happen without that play by Mathis? I mean, somebody's going to step up. Who's going to be that player on offense or defense to make that big play and light that fire for the crowd and, and get Lucas Oil Stadium rocking the way it can uh, when this team makes it happen.
1: It's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be very tough. And like I said, you're going to need someone. Through the first two weeks, we've not really seen it really outside of EJ Speed's one play where he got the strip sack on Davis Mills. That was really the only time this season where a Colts player stepped up in a big moment, made a big play. You're going to need a splash play like that on offense and or defense. Like I said, get the crowd into it and also give yourself a little bit of belief, like, hey, we could do this. You know, we're, we're here. We could definitely take down right now this big, bad Chiefs team that's coming. And speaking of the Chiefs, when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return, we'll go behind enemy lines with Bob Fesco, who does morning radio out there in Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio. He will give us so far what he's been seeing from the Chiefs in an area or two maybe the Colts uh, possibly need to look out for. We'll talk to Bob when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. All right, Colts fans, time to go behind enemy lines. Bob Fesco of Fesco of the Morning does a great job on 610 Sports Radio out there in Kansas City is our guest to give us a nice perspective on the Chiefs. Bob, through two games, first of all, thank you for joining us, but I feel like it's a question I really can't believe I'm asking so far through two games, and that's this. Is this Chiefs offense harder to defend without Tyreek Hill?
0: Well, you're asking it because it's the right question to ask, and it's something that we've been talking about really since March when they traded him to Miami, and that was the first kind of thought that I had, guys, was, yeah, this is going to be a much better offense and a much tougher offense to defend because now you've got a bunch of different weapons flying at you as opposed to one weapon that you had to account for. And I think what we finally saw in that that Colts playoff game, or not the Colts playoff game, but the Bengals playoff game last year, was that the league had caught up to the Kansas City Chiefs, and Andy Reid has always done a really good job of staying ahead of the competition. And I thought the Bengals in in two games, the regular season finale game, and then that AFC championship game, I think they did a really good job of putting out a blueprint on how to defend the Kansas City Chiefs. And so they had to go out there and kind of stay one step ahead of the competition. And they went out and traded Tyreek Hill, got a lot back in return, obviously for him, added new wide receivers to the mix. And now all of a sudden, instead of one or two weapons, you got four or five weapons you can go to.
2: Along those same lines, Mahomes playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, there were some questions, and and I know he kind of uh, bristled about that in the offseason. It looks like he played like a guy with something to prove.
0: I've never seen somebody carry a grudge better than I do, and Patrick <laughs> Mahomes does just that. And and he does it subtly, right? He's not out there telling everybody he's you know got this grudge or anything like that. But you know he takes notes, he writes these things down, and you know when when he has to, he lets it fly. Like a couple of years ago, when he was ranked the fourth best in the NFL, he counted on his fingers, and then you know counted on. I, I think guess it was against the Chicago Bears, we counted up to nine of how many quarterback or how many people were taken ahead of him in the draft. So oh, he keeps receipts. There's no question about it and he is playing with a chip on his shoulder because he had to listen to people say all offseason they weren't going to be as good and Josh Allen's better and Joe Burrow's better and all of these guys and really Mahomes is still the best quarterback in this league until proven otherwise and nobody's proven otherwise.
1: Bob these two teams haven't played since 2019 but Patrick Mahomes is a lot of familiar with this Colts defense in large part because now Gus Bradley you know was with the Chargers was with the Raiders now it's with the Colts Mahomes has just dominated this matchup. 17 touchdowns, two picks going against a Gus Bradley defense. What's made this matchup so... One side in favor of Mahomes in the Chiefs offense.
0: Well, I, I saw that stat today. I think he's like six and one against Gus Bradley led defenses or eight and one, something like astronomical like that. Like, wow, okay, that's a pretty cool stat. I think you can go and pull that stat though for any defensive coordinator and say Mahomes has thrown 17 touchdowns and in one <laughs> interception. Like, he just dominates everybody. I, I don't think it's something that Gus Bradley should look at and say, man, I can't figure out a way to stop Mahomes. This league can't figure out a way to stop Mahomes. And that's why I love these first six games of the season because they're going to be like that. There's literally nothing on tape, you know, of what they're doing from an offensive standpoint. You, you look at what happened last week, last Thursday night against the Chargers. You had Jalen Watson score a touchdown. You had a defensive back, obviously, go pick six for a touchdown and Jarek McKinnon. I mean, who, who's planning for that, right? Who's planning for Jarek McKinnon and Jalen Watson? That's what's so great about these first six games. And that's why I think the Chiefs have such an advantage because they know what they're going to do all offensively but defensively nobody has a clue of what they're going to do there's there, there's nothing on tape with these guys
2: I'm wondering from the outside looking in you know a team like the Colts had high expectations coming in obviously played extremely poorly in the first two weeks uh you know behind enemy lines are you more confident because of of how poorly the Colts have played or are you more concerned that this could be the week that, that they finally start to look like the team that they were expected to be
0: well, you're talking to the wrong guy on that. I pick them seventeen and zero every year. People go, "What are you out of your <laughs> mind?" And I always pick them to win thirty-five to nothing. But I think this is a game where you lose last week to Jacksonville twenty-four nothing or whatever it is. Right? That's a that's a losing team right now. And Dick Vermeil had one of the great lines when he was coaching here: "Keep losing teams losing." And that's what the Chiefs need to do. And and they've done a really good job of doing that over the years. I mean, you see you see teams, look, the Buffalo Bills last year lost to Jacksonville. That ultimately cost them home field advantage throughout the postseason. You've got to take care of the teams when they're down and stomp on their throats. And I think the Chiefs do a really nice job of stomping on throats, especially with teams that are in the position that it, it seems like Indianapolis is in right now. And, you know, I guess I have egg on my face. Cause I, I like Frank Reich. I thought Matt Ryan was going to be a good addition and it just doesn't look like it's working out. Now it is very early in the NFL. We know all that, but going into week three, it sure seems to me like the chiefs have a huge advantage in this. one. That they do, Bob.
1: And like you said, that chiefs offense is clicking right now or the Colts offense, just Right. Pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. But going back to Kansas City's offense, one thing that's interesting is obviously now with Tyreek Hill guy, like Travis Kelsey, uh, Kelsey is like the main focal point in offense. When you look around, Patrick Holmes has spread it to, I believe, 11 different receivers have caught a pass so far in the first two games. If the Colts, let's say, go into Sunday and say, we are not allowing Travis Kelsey to be us, we're taking him away. Who is the one guy that you think that could really benefit and could kind of step up and have a big game if it's not going to be Travis Kelsey?
0: Well, I, I'd like to see it be a combination of Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS because we haven't seen either one of those guys really have that big game yet. Again, two games into the season. I think sometimes we set these grandiose expectations because everybody plays fantasy football and we think every receiver should go for a buck 50 and five touchdowns each week. That's just not the case. But I, I'd like to see these two guys really step it up and 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 show kind of what we're, we can expect because right now, Juju Smith-Schuster and and, and and Valdez-Scantling are two guys that you look at and you go, I really should sure what i have here i know their names i'm familiar with who they are because they you know had pretty good career but i'd like to see them kind of step it up and and make some plays i think maybe this will be their week to do that if they try to take travis kelsey out but that's like impossible to do i mean i'm I'm not playing defensive coordinator here or anything like that and, and sometimes we feel like we do that each week on the radio like travis catches the ball and he'll fake left and then go right he's like a guy down in the post every single time and no one has an answer for it. He's gotten better with age.
2: You know, obviously there's so much focus on this Kansas City offense with good reason. You know, they're obviously the the main focal point and Mahomes and in Kelsey and all the things that they have on their resume. But uh, you kind of touched on it earlier. The defense has been opportunistic. They've made their plays as well this year. Is this an improved Kansas City defense, do you think? Again, it's early, but from what you've seen so far?
0: Well, it all depends on what the defensive line is doing. If they're going out there and they're dominating and Chris Jones is owning the line of scrimmage, yeah, they're much better than they were a season ago. And the big question now is who's going to replace Willie Gay? He's suspended for the next four games. He was having a heck of a start to this season. And he's a fast linebacker that was just getting better each week and each year. He's been, what, his third or fourth year now. And he's just gotten better and better in pass coverage, too. But they have to find somebody that can now line up alongside Nick Bolton, who's a stud. That guy, oh my goodness, I love watching this kid play. Now he's wearing number 32. It looks so cool out there running around (laughs) on the field on that linebacker spot. But they got younger in the secondary, which was needed because Tyron Matthew hasn't made a tackle since 2020. They got better, I think, at the linebacker spot because they got younger and faster at that spot. And you still have Chris Jones, who's one of the best defensive tackles in the game right now. And when he dominates, this defense dominates. Just go back and look at the two games. When he was on, when he was playing his best, and when he was getting to the quarterback, this entire defense was playing much better football. So if those guys up front play big, this defense, yeah, is a lot better than it's been.
1: You just mentioned the Willie Gay suspension. This is going to be the first game of his absence in this Chiefs defense. And especially last Thursday night, he was flying all around the field. So we don't know really how and who is going to replace him in that Chiefs defense is that more of a hurt on the pass defense,
0: on the run defense? Like, Where is his absence really going to be felt the most on Sunday, You think? I, that's a great question, and and I don't know what the answer is to that because he's good in both right now. Like, You can rely on him in coverage, and you can rely on him to step up and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. So I think they'll probably be hurting in both. I don't know if there's one individual, guys, that can really fill in for everything that he does. Maybe you have a different linebacker in on passing downs. Maybe you have a different linebacker in on running downs. I think you're going to see a lot of Leo Chennault in there. He's a rookie out of Wisconsin. He likes to hit, but from everybody's kind of account, he's not real good at covering anybody. So there may be this kid Harris that comes in there and plays a little bit. Elijah Lee may get some looks at that spot. I think they're going to try to piecemeal this thing together best they can
2: last one for me uh you know so much focus on the AFC West in, in the offseason and all the moves that were made and it felt like the Chiefs kind of fell between the cracks people kind of forgot about them uh did they kind of thrive in that situation or did it seemed like people almost kind of slept on them coming into the season
0: well we always want to find the next right like we're, we're crowning this team out in Los Angeles they've yet to go to a playoff game and their coach is an idiot so we want to crown them then you got Denver that coach has no clue what he's doing on the sidelines and Russell Wilson I mean fake high fives like like, what's going on with that guy? And then, of course, you got the Raiders, and they Raider every year anyway. So everybody always wants to find the next as opposed to just looking at what the best is. And the best quarterback-coach combination in the National Football League is, is Andy Reid and it's Patrick Mahomes. There's nobody better than those two guys. They're constantly on the same page. They're always making each other better. Those two guys right now can't be touched by anyone. So I don't know why people always want to pick against, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Again, they want to find the next and be the first to say, I told you the Chargers were going to be good. Yeah, the Chargers are already game and a half back of the Chiefs. We're only in the week three. Uh, Two more for me here, Bob. We've seen, I feel like at least for me, the
1: first two games of the year, this is kind of really the best Clyde Edwards-Alaire has looked so far in his three years in the NFL. Do you kind
0: of sense that this is kind of him really kind of getting into his role and establishing himself? God, I hope so. And, and you know, we were saying before the season, like you got the opportunity for that fifth year option after this year. And I'm not picking it up on Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he's a running back and he kind of churn and burn those guys. But he's looked really good. I've been really impressed with what I've seen out of him, both in the run and the pass game. I still want to see him involved more in the screen game and see what he can do out there. And hopefully that'll come with time. But I mean, yeah, he's he's looked as great as he's looked ever on this team.
1: And finally, Bob, I think we, me and George, I'll speak for George as well. I think we both expect the Chiefs to run up the scoreboard here in Lucasola Stadium in the home opener, really give it a good workout. But I'll ask you this. The Colts win
0: on Sunday if? The Chiefs don't show up. (laughs) <laughs> they cancel their flight, you know? <laughs> or we something weird team. happens, right? Something weird happens. Food poisoning? Mahomes, yeah, food poisoning would be would be one. Or Patrick Mahomes throws three interceptions and they're all pick sixes or something like that. Like, I, I don't think the team's overconfident and they never will be overconfident. They understand... You know what what's in front of them and they understand every game matters especially AFC games you know and this is an AFC game so I, I think they'll win and I think they'll win going away but I don't think it's going to be one of overconfidence and you know like I said if Patrick Mahomes has like ill-advised turnovers that's probably a way Indy wins this game
1: it, it's it could be very ugly here Bob but things have been very down in Indy and it could get a lot worse before it gets a lot better we appreciate your insight thanks so much for uh, giving us a few minutes here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod you got it guys thanks for having me All right, George, we'll give our picks here in a second. Bob is feeling very confident about his Chiefs going into uh, Indy this week. Can't say I really blame him on that with the way both teams have been playing so far. But before we give our pick, last week we kind of highlighted a few players we were watching to see what kind of impact they'd make in a potential win for the Colts. I would say Naeem Hines, he had an impact on the first drive. Then really it kind of was MIA the rest of the game here. What player this week are you looking at to where, you know, if the Colts are going to win, they're going to need this player to step up. Offense, defense, you can go whichever way you want here. Which kind of player are you looking at that's going to have to have a big impact for India this week?
2: I'm going to go with Steph- Stephon Gilmore, you know, former defensive Ooh. player of the year. Uh, he's one of those guys that I think can kind of change a game like this. He can maybe get a, a pick or two and, you know, make that splash play we were talking about earlier that gets the crowd going. Uh, I'm going to go with Stefan Gilmore.
1: I like that one, and you're right. I mean, this is – with how much the Chiefs spread it around uh, the ball, you're going to need Stephon Gilmore to at least try to take one side of the field away and limit where Patrick Mahomes is going. I like that one a lot. I'm going to go a position group instead. I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit. I'm going to go the tight end position room. Because you even look at last week in a short, simple size when at least the Chargers played the Chiefs, one guy with a lot of success for the Chargers was Gerald Everett. You know, six catches, 71 yards. He was a problem where the Chiefs constantly had issues matching up with him size-wise. Now you're not going to have Willie Gay, which is, you know, a linebacker who's flying all around the field. Really good cover linebacker. Also, you know, run stuffer as well for the Chiefs. He's missing this game. So whether it's Moelle Cox, especially Kylan Granson, you're going to need, I think, at least one, maybe both to really kind of have an impact for the first time this season. Make, you know, two, three, four plays where they're making one guy missing and taking, you know, a ball they're up the seam or, or taking a short pass, breaking a tackle and making a run here. Because if anything, we've seen, even if Michael Pittman, let's say, does play. I think it's fair to say, even if he's on the field, he's not going to be anywhere near 100% with that quad injury. So... His presence will be nice, but still won't be like, you know, week one, uh, Michael Pittman where he was kind of, you know, still the go-to guy. So you're still gonna need someone else outside of Michael Pittman Jr. to step up for the receivers. I don't I don't know about you, George. I really, after watching last week, can't feel confident in anyone. You know, I think I've given up and jumped off the Paris Campbell train where he's had opportunities. You know, Ashton Duhun has made, you know, nice of what has been so far his opportunities. But when you look at the big uh, bodies that the Colts have in, in moali Cox and Kyle Granton, especially riding big targets, I and mean, those are two guys where if the Colts are going to win this game, one area they can exploit is the tight end mismatch that they'll have over this Chiefs defense.
2: Yeah, I agree. And also if one of them taps out, you know, if he starts, don't don't run a – end zone play for him. I, I think well, that would, you know, I, I think the Chargers may have, have aired in that regard.
1: Yeah, that's a good point where that pick six was uh, because of a gas jailed ever. You're right about that. Yeah, if molly Cox says, hey, I'm a little tired, Frank, please get him out or don't drop a play to throw to him, that is for sure. All right, George, we are one for one right now on our season picks. We got the last week uh, prediction right in both picking the Jaguars. Unfortunately, right about this one. Who are you oh, yeah. going to go with here to win this game in week number three?
2: I'm going to go with Kansas City 38 to 14. <sighs> 38 to 14.
1: I really want to sit here. Last or earlier in the week, we did an optimistic pod where I was trying to look at the bright side, try to, you know, at least paint a, a brush of positivity that the season's not over. Six and a half points spread here. The Chiefs are favored on the road. I can't feel much better. I'll go 31-17, a uh, two-touchdown game. You know, But to your point right now, Gus Bradley's defense has given me zero reason to believe that they could slow down Patrick Holmes. I hope, George, it's game to ship. I really do. But you hear Gus Bradley earlier this week talking about how he was kind of pushing back on the narrative and the notion that his defense has had trouble slowing down Patrick Holmes and he was kind of citing some stats that really were just flatly incorrect. Uh, when trying to talk about how his defense for the Raiders last year did a good job slowing down the Chiefs' offense. When in fact it did not. Again, I hope he's just kind of playing coy and saying, "Oh yeah, we're not going to really change anything." When in fact that he is. But I right now have no reason to believe that this this Bradley defense, which has had tons of opportunities to go against Patrick Holmes in the Chiefs' offense to slow him down, and they have not. I don't think this is going to you know be a cold defense, especially if Shaq Leonard can't play. They're not going to be slowing down this Chiefs' offense whatsoever. And offensively, like there's really no reason right now to think. This Colts offense gets that bad. I mean, you hope that they can establish Jonathan Taylor. You hope the athletes line can get it together. Like, I don't even know what needs to happen. To be honest, if it's just a motivation thing. It's just like, you know, uh, five guys playing as one sort of, sort of, you know, rally cry. But this athletes line gives you no reason right now to believe they can either protect Matt Ryan or run the ball with Jonathan Taylor to establish the run and keep Patrick Rums off the field. It's hard to be optimistic, especially this matchup, that this Colts team will even make it competitive. I hate to say it. I really do. But, like, 31-17, if they can even be a little generous, giving them 17 points right now.
2: I mean, that's, we we talked about it, you know, at the end of the show on, on the last podcast, and, and I said, you need to see it on the field. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative to be negative. I Honestly, my default setting not to be negative. Usually, I'm more the guy like, hey, it's not as bad as it looks you know, bring some things in here, just give them some time. Uh, but you just haven't seen enough yet. I mean, that's, I think this is probably the most obvious thing I can say right now. You just haven't seen enough from this football team. Uh, and maybe that, maybe that changes on Sunday. I will say this. If you want like the little kernel of optimism under Frank Reich, this team's been very good when everyone counts them out. I mean, that's probably some of the times we've seen some of their best performances are the games that they're not supposed to win. The ones that, you know, all week long going into you you've already kind of circled it as a loss uh they've had some other best games so maybe you feel that way and I will say you know the NFL is it's not college football there are no Alabama Sanford games you know what I mean there, there's there's a way to win every game it's just that some weeks that path's a little more complicated it's a yeah. little longer there's a there's a maybe some trees down in your way that you have to climb <laughs> over uh you know and this is going to be one of those harder weeks but it's Look, they're all professionals. There's, there's talent on this football team. We've talked about that repeatedly. It was one of the parts of the optimism segment, uh, you know, on, on the last pod. There's, there's talent on this football team. They need to show it on Sunday. The guys who can make big plays, who have made big plays before for this football team, the 10 guys who have been to a pro bowl need to show up and play like pro bowlers on Sunday.
1: And you're like, this team is better, right? Than we, like we've mentioned, this team is a lot better than so far with what they showed to the fir- first two weeks for sure. But also, with that said, like when you're playing a Chiefs team right now, that's humming that I think already when the Colts are at their best and the Chiefs are at their best, the Chiefs, is, the Chiefs are already a better team, you know, than the Colts in general. So now coming in where you have two polar opposites, like you said, it's tough right now to see any sort of situation outside of just like the classic overlook where, oh, this game, you know, you know, I feel like we did in the NFL, oh, this is going to be a blow. No, don't worry about it. And then it's a, you know, a Jets Brown situation where next thing you know, it's like, whoa, how did they win? That's really the only kind of hope you have to have is a, uh, an overlooked situation where, like you mentioned, Frank Reich's teams do play better uh, when kind of overlooked and counted out. And you hope that that, you know, rallying cry or that, you know, belief is strong this week for sure. At least put up a close showing, you know, make make it more competitive. And even if you lose, at least give yourself, you know, a moral victory. I get it, you know, you'd be 0-2-1 and not exactly a time for a moral victory. But, frankly, that's, I think, what they're playing for right now is just if you can keep it close, kind of give yourself some sort of spark to take it to week four against the Titans. Let's get nuts here, George, finish off the pile. Let's just continue with the options. We talked to Bob Fesco before, and, and I asked him this question, the Colts win this game if. Now, he said the, the Chiefs don't show up. Maybe Patrick Holmes will go to St. Elmo's and he'll have some bad shrimp. Maybe there's a pothole uh, you know, near the stadium. He twists his ankle, goes down, can't play. That's Bob Fesco's way of saying the, that's how the Colts win on Sunday. What is your way? What is your path to victory here? for the Colts on Sunday. They win the game if? If they get more sacks than the Chiefs
2: and have fewer turnovers than the Chiefs. uh, I think it's those explosive plays. You know, they've got to protect Matt Ryan. They've got to not turn the ball over themselves. They've got to get Patrick Mahomes on the ground at least a couple of times, and they've got to force, I would say, a minimum of three turnovers. Whatever that is, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, they've got to get three extra possessions in this game. So if they, you know, protect the ball themselves, protect their quarterback, if they have... Fewer sacks allowed and fewer turnovers than the Chiefs. They'll win this game.
1: I will say the Colts win this game if they get a bare minimum four sacks. Because to your point, you're right. They need turnovers for sure. But if you can get this defensive line woken up, Get them going and you can get this crowd into. We know this crowd loves, you know, when they see the quarterback go down. If you can get Quitty Pay going, if you can get Yannick and Gakwe going for the first time into Forrest Buckner getting a rush up the middle, if the Colts get, I think, four sacks bare minimum in this game, you can establish some sort of momentum, have this Chiefs offense slow down and give yourself a chance to make some plays. The Chiefs defense, it's better than what it's been, but also the Chiefs defense has not been very good for years past, so it's not like that's saying a lot, George, right? This Colts offense should have some areas where they can, you know, expose them and have some sort of success, especially if you can get an offensive line that's blocking for the first time this year. So if you're able to get Patrick Mahomes down, hit him. We know, you know, he has some sort of, you know, a wrap on his left thumb. You um, know, obviously, like any quarterback, he doesn't like to get hit. If you're able just to get him on the ground at least four times, I think mean, that's one of the ways the Colts can win this game. And before we go any further, I want to say, clarify my last comment. I'm not insinuating, I'm not saying St. Elmo's serves bad shrimp. I'm just saying, if you were to serve bad shrimp one time St. Elmo's, maybe the team dinner for the Chiefs on Saturday not the worst time to kind of maybe break out you know, a year-old case of shrimp. Let's just throw it out there.
2: Take one for the team is what you're saying.
1: Right, like, you know, a bad rap here or some bad PR from the Chiefs complaining because they all got food poisoning. Sure, maybe it may hurt the bottom line, but I'm sure Jim Merce would understand it and support them uh, support them financially if they do have a little business go down. That's, that's all I'm saying. You got to do what you got to do, George. You got to get the first one of the year. Times are hit- tough. Would
2: it hurt the bottom line in Indy though, or would it be good advertising in that's in Indy true us at this point?
1: That you know that's a good point. Colts fans would shell out in droves after the game if they win that game to, to thank St. Helmers. You're right about that. <laughs> whatever it takes, George, when you are this desperate, you're sitting there at 0-1 and one. Whatever it takes, whether it's crowd noise, whether it's bad shrimp to get the Chiefs off their game, the Colts could use any sort of break they can get, that is for sure. So hopefully on Sunday, we'll be doing the first joyful Blue Horseshoe uh, Reaction Pod after the game. Not feeling very likely, that's for sure. George, is going. Final score, you said again, George, 38-14? 38-14. 38-14. I'll go a little closer. 31-17. Either way, we don't see this one going in uh, the Colts' favor uh, any which way, but... We will, though, be watching. We'll uh, be reacting. So make sure between now and the game, you follow us on Twitter at Bremmers, where you can find George at Ryan underscore Hickey is where you can find me on Twitter. Hopefully not losing our minds, but probably tweeting some depressing Colts tweets after uh, another Chiefs blow win. So we will be back Sunday night. Make sure to check us out immediately after the game. We'll be giving our thoughts on the week three game to see if the Colts can finally get their first one of the season. So we tune now and then have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday night right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.